Good morning, church. So good to be here to be sharing the good news with you, and I'm so glad that you've taken time out of your week to worship Christ with us. So we're starting a new sermon series, and I'm really excited about it. And it's stories they don't tell you in Sunday school. Now, the funny thing is, Tommy is working on some curriculum for Bridge Kids using some of this stuff. And she came to me and she said, David, you said these are stories they don't teach you in Sunday school. How am I supposed to teach the kids this? (laughs) And I was like, well, that's kind of the point is that we want to address difficult issues with you that so often in the church that we have just ignored. Because I think these are relevant, these are important, and they're meaningful to our lives. So I thank you for being willing, I know it's going to be a bit of a struggle, but to to talk about things. So here's some of the stuff we're going to talk about, what it is to be a martyr. That's today. Brokenness. Yes, even as followers of God, we experience brokenness. Failure. We talk about the story of David. There is no greater story of failure than David, King David in the Bible. Suffering, depression, poverty and going through health problems. These are very real things that every single person experiences, and Scripture talks about them, but we don't necessarily want to talk about them often because it's really difficult, and it can be painful, and they don't have easy answers. And so today, we're going to talk about what it means to be a martyr, a witness for Jesus Christ. So let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing unto you. Amen. So I came across this story of the, of the Greenwalds. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce their last name. They're Dutch from South Africa. I wish Keith was here. I could ask him, but he's in Spain. But the Greenwalds, there was Werner and Hannah Lee and John Pierre and their daughter, Rhody. And they felt called right after 9-11 they're from South Africa. They felt called to be missionaries to Afghanistan. Now think about that. And think of your family. This was a family that had a fairly young family with a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Could you take your family to a war zone where they definitely don't like Christians and share the good news and put your family's life in danger for other people? That's exactly what this family did. And they went to Afghanistan and they started, they couldn't even just start a church. So he, the, Werner was the pastor. And so he would teach leadership and leadership development just to get in the door with people. And then she was a doctor. And so she would be a doctor and, and she would help people. And she had experience in trauma. And the family just lived and planted the seeds of the good news until one day in 20, I think 2014, Some men kicked down their door and murdered Werner and Jean-Pierre and Rhodey. Think about that. That still happens today. People are still martyred today for following Jesus. And it's not just simply following Jesus, but preaching the good news where it is a place that might cost you your life. Could you do it? Could you follow God's call, not just put yourself in danger, but your family in danger. This is what Hannah Lee said after the fact. I don't think that we will even know 100% what the impact is of what we made in Afghan throughout the years in Afghanistan. So it doesn't even know the impact that they made. I think that we will know one day, though, when we're in front of the Lord, but I believe we made an impact on people's lives. And I believe also 
that blood that was shed is like the seed for the Afghan church and that there will be a thousandfold harvest in the end because I believe God has the last move. You know, to be a martyr doesn't necessarily mean to die for our faith, although I want us to realize, church, that not everybody has it easy like us. We like to talk about the church being in persecution in America, and we may face some light level people looking down on us for what we believe in America, but we don't face this kind of persecution generally in the United States. But there are people in this world who are imminent threat of death just because they follow Jesus. There are people who are imminent threat of death. But you know the word martyr doesn't even mean that? The word martyr means witness. So the first martyrs were just people who witnessed to the good news of Jesus Christ in their life. And in the early church, that often meant it would cost you your life. So the word martyr has come to mean someone who would give their life for their faith, but originally it just meant to witness. And so today I'm here to talk to you about what it means to be a martyr because I believe we are all called to be martyrs, although I want to redefine that a little bit for us. It's not just meaning to die for our faith, but to live for our faith and live when it is difficult, live when it is painful, live in the midst of suffering and pain. And like I said, as we talked about earlier today, our world has a lot of suffering and pain. You know, there's much about America that lines up with Christian values, our hardworking nature, our ultimate generosity, our desire for the world to be a better place. There are also things in our culture today and the way our American culture is lived out that are opposed to the way we live as Christians. In America right now, we're told that it's all about the individual. Whatever you want and whatever you desire, if it feels good, do it. And who cares about anybody else? That is not a Christian value. The Christian value is for community, to love each other as God loves us, to go the extra mile for our neighbor even if they don't even like us. You know, in America right now, we're addicted to violence. I love action movies, but you know, I think they're part of the problem. I love violent video games. I used to play video games all the time. But we're addicted to violence. Just look at the way we turn to war as a first option and the way that we turn to violence. And we say, if you're our enemy, we would rather kill you than try to seek some peaceful solution. Why do we do this when God calls us to love our neighbor? Think about that. We're not called to hate people who hate us. We're called to love them. Sometimes war is inevitable. We've talked about this several times recently. I I get it. Sometimes war is inevitable. I am an officer in the U.S. Army. I still am to this day. But I want to tell you, it should be the very last recourse. And especially as Christians, we have to seek for peace because we're called to love our enemies. There's so many things about American culture right now. Materialism. We're called right now that that we're supposed to buy, buy, buy and get all the toys because the toys will make us happy. When Jesus tells us to give, 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 that giving things away will give us joy, that being in community, that we should give until it hurts so that our neighbors can make sure they have the very basic needs taken care of. You're starting to hear what it's like to be a martyr in America today? Right now we're told in America that it's okay to be belligerent online if you are right. Jesus teaches you if you're right, you're called to love, to speak the truth in love, not in hate. 
I've seen Christians online say mean, awful, terrible things to other people. If you read an article and it's talking about how this person is going to destroy someone else because of their opinion, don't read it. Because there's nothing about what we do as Christians that are supposed to destroy other people. Even metaphorically. We're called to love online and in person. And I'll tell you this. There is no secular part of society that a Christian fits into comfortably. There's no party. There's no group. Because we are called to be in the world but not of the world. We're called to transform the world because we have the Holy Spirit within us. And so there's no ideology out there that perfectly fits the Christian understanding that is secular. We are always gonna be called. We're always gonna be different. We're always gonna feel uncomfortable in the world around us. And people are gonna look down on us because of what we believe. I was watching a TV show a couple weeks ago. And in the show, there was a character uh, and, and she was at this event and it was a Christian event where they were talking about this, that if you, you need to follow Jesus to go to heaven, right? That's a very kind of basic belief that we believe in. It doesn't mean we're rude to other religions, but we definitely believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's a wonderful and a good thing, right? But that belief is something that will get you mocked. Because that's what happened in this TV show. They were mocking Christians for having this exclusive belief. We are called to be different, and we're gonna be mocked for it. We're gonna be mocked because we love other people. We're gonna be mocked because we're kind, and yet we're also gonna be mocked because we stand firm in what we believe, and what we believe is the truth. And we need to do it because we love the world, and we're desperate to see it fall in love with Jesus. Josh and I were talking before, and we truly believe that we could solve some of these problems if we met some of these young people who have this desire to hurt other people with weapons with guns and love on them? What if the church was reaching into some broken homes and to people who had a difficult life and, or even maybe they have a great life, but, they're, but they've turned to hate and they want to kill people who are different than themselves. What, what difference could we make as a church if we reached into those homes and we started loving on young people? We've got to show up, church. This isn't a time for us to withdraw within our little safe Christian walls. This is a time to show up for the world. And when we do, when we're a martyr, and when we witness to the truth, there's going to be friends that are going to leave you. You could lose your job. You could be made fun of, especially you young people here, our youth and our young people. What we believe is so countercultural that there may be people who mock you for being Christians, and that's okay. But you're going to love them anyways. Our scripture this morning comes from James chapter 12 as we talk about what it means to be a martyr and to be countercultural. I think this passage shares that incredibly strongly. Starts out, and this isn't on your screens, but verse one, listen to this line. From James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, James, the one who wrote this book, is the brother of Jesus. And he is saying, the brother of Jesus is saying he is a slave to God. Now, I don't put that in my bio. I don't know about you guys. I don't put it in my bio that I'm a slave. You know, that's not something we aspire to be. But here when James is talking about who he is in his nature is that he is a slave of Jesus Christ. That means he's a servant. He's given it all. What is a martyr? A martyr is someone who gives it all no matter what the cost is. 
And many of these, I, I don't know if James particularly was crucified, but many of the followers of Jesus were killed for what they believed. This is what he goes on to say. Turn with verse two. My brothers and sisters, right here. Okay, let's stop down for a second. In America right now, we're all about our privacy fences and all about hanging out in our backyard and, and we're all about our own families. Jesus teaches a way that we are called to look beyond our families and we're to call other people brothers and sisters, not just the people in our house, but everyone is our brother and sister. Either they are part of the family of God or Jesus wants them to be a part of the family of God because they're prodigal and they've walked away. Brothers and sisters, that's radical. That's revolutionary. God wants us to see every single person as part of our family. That the same way you love your family is the same way God wants you to love a stranger. That's radical. Think of the various tests you encounter as occasions of joy. What? When I think of test, either in the you know, school sense, that doesn't bring me joy, or I think a test of temptation or difficult times, those things don't bring me joy. When I'm going through a difficult time, I don't think, woohoo, let's praise God. This stuff is crazy, and yet this is the truth. Our test you encounter as occasions of joy. After all, you know the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let this endurance complete its work that you may fully mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. Do you hear that? Your, your persecution, your testing breeds endurance, which brings maturity. Why do we go through some of the things that we go to? Why do we engage in a world that causes us to suffer? Because it brings endurance and maturity and helps us grow as followers of Jesus. I was related as a parent. If I take away all the problems of my kids in the world, they will never grow to maturity. It is good for us to experience difficulty and pain and suffering in this world because we have to grow through it and we are a better person on the other side. But anyone who needs wisdom should ask God, whose very nature is to give everyone without a second thought, without keeping score. And wisdom will certainly be given to those who ever ask. And whoever asks shouldn't hesitate. They should ask in faith without doubting. Because whoever doubts is like the surf of the people of the sea tossed by and turned by wind. Now, we have to be very careful, and I really want to be clear here, because doubt isn't the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. Doubt is something we definitely need to grow in our faith. The kind of doubt that it is talking about is the doubt if we ask God for wisdom, right, we have to believe that God is going to provide that wisdom that we need. Our world is difficult to navigate. Waves are hitting our boat all the time. And we could be like the rest of the world, swept one way and the next every single day. But what James is talking about here is that we cannot doubt that if we hold true to the wisdom that is a gift from God, that we will be steady and true straight towards Jesus. It's okay to doubt. It's just not okay to be tossed this way and that way with the waves and the difficulties and the struggles of our life. People like that should never imagine that they will receive anything from the Lord. They're double-minded and unstable in all their ways. Brothers and sisters who are poor should find satisfaction in their high status. Those who are wealthy should find satisfaction in their low status because they will die off like wildflowers. The sun rises in its scorching heat and dries up the grass so that its flowers fall and its beauty is lost. Just like that, in the midst of their daily life, the wealthy will waste away. So here we go. Here's another radical, countercultural teaching from Scripture. 
It's saying that if you are poor, you have high status, and if you're wealthy, you have low status. Now, we believe here that it's not money is evil, but the love of money is the root of evil, right? But what it's saying that right here in the scriptures, what I think it's saying is that if you're poor, you desperately need God, right? If you're of poor status, you desperately need God, and so you will seek after God. But if we have wealth, and that's what many of us desire in our heart of hearts, to be wealthy and have lots of things, and if we have wealth, it's really hard to need God. Actually, we need God. It's really hard to believe that we need God. So what this scripture is telling us, and it's flipping everything on side, instead of seeking after wealth, seek after God. And I love, love the uh, metaphor that is used here by James, that idea of wildflowers. This is the first year I really paid attention because we, uh, in our beautiful property here, we have beautiful blue bonnets, right? Beautiful. And I, so I was watching them, I was watching the blue bonnets, and I was watching, you know, everything that was as it was, they were growing. But I also noticed those blue bonnets were here for about two weeks. Did anybody else notice that? Wildflowers are beautiful, but they're only here temporarily. And saying seeking after wealth is like being a wildflower that'll wither in the sun. So don't do that. And then he finishes up with this. Those who stand firm during testing are blessed. They are tried and true, and they will receive the life that God has promised to those who love him as their reward. Let me read that again. Those who stand firm during testing are blessed. They are tried and true. They will receive the life God has promised to those who love him as their reward. So what does this mean for us today? We are tempted in so many ways. We're tempted to go with the crowd. And I'm going to say something here, and I hope it offends you a little bit. Everyone, I'm going to try to make everybody upset. If you get all of your opinions from Fox News, you're following Jesus wrong. If you get all of your opinions from MSNBC, you're following Jesus wrong. There should be no perspective that makes you feel very comfortable because there is no silo, there's no group you can sort yourself into that should feel comfortable as a follower of Jesus Christ. No conservative group, no progressive group, no centrist group. It is not possible we don't fit in, and that's okay. We stick out because what we believe is difficult. It's a hard life to live. Following Jesus, the path is narrow. That's what he tells us. Everybody's welcome to try. Everybody's welcome. Everyone's welcome to say yes to Christ. But then once we start taking our steps down that path, we realize it's not easy and that Jesus expects a lot of us. That's what it means to be a martyr. We'll be tested in so many ways. We'll be tested as individuals, we'll be tested online, we'll be tested in our faith, and we have to choose to follow Jesus and what Jesus says for our life before all things and in all things. Jesus tells that if we do, we will be blessed. Stand firm and you will be blessed. Now, I think we, we get confused with what this word blessed means. That means that God's favor is upon you in three ways, God's presence, God's presence and in community and, sorry, in presence and community and in calling. That if we have God, if we are blessed, God will be with us. There's this beautiful scene of the Israelites as they go through the wilderness that God is with them in a cloud during the day and fire by night. God's presence will be with you. We believe that Jesus is in you. 
that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have God within us. God's presence will be within you as you are tested. That's how you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed in community, the community of being part of a church, that people have your back. But guys, as I've mentioned before, we have to be willing to be vulnerable with one another. We have to be willing to be honest and open in the good times and the bad. And then God is gonna bless you with calling, with purpose. So many, so many of us seek meaning for our lives, seek meaning in Jesus. It may not be to move to Afghanistan. Praise God if it is. Praise God if it's moved to a place where you'll be hated for following your beliefs. But you are called. We've seen two evidences of it today on the news where we, the world desperately needs us as followers of Jesus Christ. God is calling you. So if you stand firm in your test, you will be blessed. So what I'm telling you today is that God is calling you to be a martyr. God is calling you to be a witness to what God has done in your life. And God is calling you to be a witness to what God has done in the life of those around us. And if we do, we will have God's presence with us. We will have community and we will have calling and purpose for our lives. I wanted to read that last verse one more time. Those who stand firm during their testing are blessed. They are tried and true, and they will receive the life that God has promised to those who love them as, his, as their reward. Stand firm, and you will be blessed. Be a martyr, be a witness, and see God at work in your life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now we come to the table. And I want to invite all to this table who love God, who seek to live in peace with one another, and earnestly confess their sins. Let's do that right now. <laughs>